you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen today and remind you that this podcast is free and available on all podcast services, platforms, etc. As for me, I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly the lead MLB draft and prospect analyst for Scouting 24-7. And if there is a Cleveland sports blog uh, that talks about the Indians and baseball who hasn't at least mentioned me, I would be surprised at this point in time due to my work on draft and the uh, prospect game, as it were. We got actually quite a bit to talk about. We need to take some time uh, talk about Carter Hawkins. If you listened to yesterday's show, I talked a lot about that situation. I'm going to go a little bit more into why I'm kind of happy about this. Uh, no knock on Carter Hawkins. It is a loss by the Indians organization. Uh, but there's just some basic reasons why I'm kind of glad it was Hawkins and not Harris. Uh, on top of that, we're going to give Ray Fossey some credit, some kudos. The first first-round pick in the history of the Cleveland Indians. And it's, you know, there's a bit of a laugh there because they've been so bad in the first round. Uh, but somehow in 1965, they nailed it. He was a fantastic player, a fantastic pick, one of the great what-ifs in team history. If you're not familiar with him, we'll get into in segment two the what-if, the history of him, uh, his draft value comparative to that draft class, and just the Indians overall. Take some time to appreciate a guy who basically, from the minute he was drafted by the Indians, lived the rest of his life in the game of baseball and lived a lot of it in pain thanks to the game of baseball as well. And then the third segment, we're going to continue to look at those deep sleepers as it uh, comes together for names that, you know, under the radar players who could help the Cleveland Indians, trying to find that next Mark Kaneha, trying to find that next, uh, I throw J.D. Martinez, but Casey Blake, let's say Casey Blake, there's an example of the Indians finding that type of guy. We're going to try to locate and see if we can look under the hood, as it were, and locate a talented player who isn't getting the credit or kudos maybe they deserve. So Carter Hawkins, uh, I tweeted out his Vandy bio. The Indians really, really like Vandy backup catchers. Dave Wallace, I believe that was his first name, was a fantastic, I, I'm trying to remember if he's still in the system or not, uh, or if he moved on to other things. Like He was an awesome manager. I got to know him uh, you know, tangentially when he was the manager in AA. Very smart, uh, very uh, knowledgeable of the game, another backup Vandy catcher, and also a quarterback at Vandy. That, that's how athletic that he was. Uh, he was a star rising in their system, but I think he just didn't want to commit necessarily to time, had other interests, other things. Uh, he was also a guy, I thought, if he became a college baseball coach, he was going to win in every room. Yeah, I am comfortable enough in myself to say that was a, a handsome-looking man as a manager. There was going to be a lot of success in recruiting. He was going to win over a lot of moms uh, pretty easily. Some dads as well, I think. Uh, and again, how great of a recruiting tool is it? And we're like, it's a backup catcher and a college quarterback. Like that would have been, you know, we even talked about that. That's something we talked about in the box amongst myself. And I'm not going to name the other reporters, but like he would win in every room because he could talk football. He's nice on the eyes. And we are, you know, it's a group of uh, male reporters at the time. Very monolithic group. We, I don't think in my whole time in AA Akron we had, no, that's not right. Once or twice we had a, um, a female reporter there, but very not very common. Let's put it that way. But yeah, we were all just commenting on Dave Wallace. Now, Carter Hawkins, another backup catcher from Vandy. Uh, I, I really got into the weeds on this one. He, you know, 
put in his time. I mean, he let's see, he graduated in 2007 from Vandy, became an intern scout in 2018. Uh, you know, he went right into baseball operations, became a professional scout by 2009, player development in 2010, assistant director. So he goes from assistant professional scout to assistant director of player development. That speaks to how good Carter Hawkins is. And again, yes, I am happy the Indians are keeping James Harris over Carter Hawkins, but Carter Hawkins is still a loss. He is still a very intelligent player who put in the top player uh, manager. He was a baseball player, put in the time, and there's a reason why he was a uh, you know a shooting star in this system. After being the assistant player director of player development, which he was for four years, he then became the director of player development, and then was promoted to assistant general manager in November 2016. 13 years, almost 14 years in the Indian system. Good on him. One of the things I find with teams, though, um, is... The, one of the nice things with Harris is, A, he comes from a different sport background, and B, comes from another organizational background. I kind of like the idea of cross-contamination of thought. Uh, I think it is good to have outside opinions come in, uh, people who are not just, you know, Cleveland Indians and keeping it as an echo chamber. And again, I think Hawkins is going to be great. He's a big loss. I just like Harris's background not being baseball, not being, you know, only the Cleveland Indians. I like having someone who had some outside thoughts, who is a different approach. I think that's what they're trying to get to with the the new hitting coach when they bring someone in. It's not going to be someone, I think, with any ties to uh, anyone in the organization. They are trying to find, I believe, an outside point of view of that. I could be proven wrong. Uh, Hawkins is very smart, very good at development. It's going to be interesting in the regard of what I talked about on yesterday's show. The Indians 40-man, <laughs> go ahead, take your drink. Uh, I know I talk about it a lot. But their 40-man situation is such that they have some fringe prospects, right? Who's going to know those fringe prospects? Who's going to have favorite fringe prospects more than Carter Hawkins, who was in charge of player development, uh, you know, from 20, you know, assistant from 2010, either the assistant director or the director from 2010 to 2016, and then became assistant general manager and was still down in the minors during that time. I remember... One of my most infamous tweets ever uh, was, golly, I don't know the exact year, but I tweeted out something is happening down here in AA. You know, they were talking to players. They're getting things together. They kept delaying our post-game meeting, delaying our post. I was down there in the clubhouse for 25, 30 minutes later, and I was supposed to be. That never happened. Delaying our meetings, and we're like, that's Carter Hawkins. Like, we knew him on site. You know, he was down there, and we thought for sure a trade was going to happen, and I tweeted out that, and then nothing happened. I ended up being very wrong. Uh, it felt like something got very close, though. Just the way they were reacting and everything else, I'll never entirely know. I have to go and dig out the exact year, but, you know, seeing Carter Hawkins, we knew that he would sometimes deliver that news to minor league players. He knows the system well. If he decides, like, you know, Aaron Bracho had a down year, but they believe him. And again, this is a Cubs team that is all cast-offs. Uh, their best hitters, Patrick Wisdom is a 30-year-old rookie. Uh, Schwindel, the first baseman, a cast-off. I mean, they are built on cast-offs because the minor leagues are awful. They have very little there. This is a team that is in bad shape. Uh, they're 40-man, though. They have plenty of room to add players. They can take some gambles. So Ian Happ, I mean, Ian Happ to Cleveland makes a ton of sense. And we've talked about that before. Yeah, he's closer to a league average bat. Yes, he he's not a huge upgrade, but is he an upgrade? So, you know, Ian Happ is better than the Harold Ramirez, Bradley Zimmer, Oscar Mercados of it all. 
Uh, I would take Ian Happ over any of them, and Happ has at least had some, you know, some good data at points in time. Now, defensively, we talked about it, he's a bit of a butcher, but you just put him in left. Let's not put him in center field anymore. That, that's part of the problem. He's spent a lot of time in center in his career. I am all for this, and I think, again, it becomes a lot more likely. And the Cubs don't have a ton of trade, but especially if you're talking about trading like three fringe guys, uh, if you're the Indians, and you know it is like a Bracho, and it is maybe it's Joey Cantillo. Like Cantillo is one of those guys who uh, they didn't send out to the Fall League because they don't think they want people getting extra looks. To me, that's a sign that they were hoping they can pass him through waivers because he's been hurt the entire year. Uh, if you're Carter Hawkins and you're like, I think he is, you know, I, and I said at the time, I thought Cantillo was the number two piece in the Clevenger deal. With a situation like this, if you're trying to get some value for Hap, who's a, I think, believe has, might only have two years left. It could be three, but it might just be two years of team control. And yeah, he does, he walks a lot. He has a good barrel percentage. The rest of it, not particularly grand. He's going to strike out a lot. You know, we talked about him on yesterday's show. I don't think I have to dive too deep into it, but it's me. So of course I will. And we'll get into a little bit more of the Ian Hap of it all, we'll get into a little bit more of some trade ideas with Hap and the Cubs and maybe a Hap and Contreras uh, package as well. First, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I will be honest, though. Uh, I did this all as one segment, and we were looking at like 16, 17 minutes. So we're going to split it up, put the commercial break here, come back, talk about those trade ideas, and a little bit more about Carter Hawkins. That first sponsor is rockauto.com. I have been talking time and time again about how you don't have to be a car expert to go to rockauto.com and get the parts and pieces you need for your car. And then you can find all sorts of, you know, small things. Right now, promotions and rebates. Should we go see what is currently on rebates over here? Uh, Brake kits, AC Delco uh, Remen parts, engine air, cabin air, and fuel filters. That's always the where to go. Get those. You can install those. I promise you there are good YouTube videos out there on that. But let's enter my car. I've been saying I need windshield wipers for a while, so let's do my Ford Fusion on here from 2016 and find the make and model and click and let's go find the uh, the windshield wipers I need. Let, let's go try to figure out that order right now. Wiper blades. Okay, I can get wiper blades on Rock Auto for as low as, for standard ones, 544 front opposing system. If I want to go left, right, 590. Think about how much you pay for that piece. If you go, you get your oil change, for instance, where they often like to pressure you into buying uh, wipers. You're going to end up paying like over 20 bucks when it gets down to installation and everything else. So go to rockauto.com. Make sure that you tell them in the how'd you hear about us box, some form of locked on to let them know their advertising money is well spent. You're just going to save yourself money. You can use that on an Indian's tickets. A switch hitter, an upgrade, multiple years of control, Put him in left field. Forget about it. Uh, I should probably go look at his splits before I, you know, <laughs> declare this like some kind of slam dunk uh, for his career. I'm not 100% as sure on his splits just top of my head. But that's where Hawkins makes this. It's even someone like Wilson Contreras, who I talked about on the show yesterday because we were talking about the idea of, like, would they go for him? Would they consider him as a, with the Indians? You know, he's probably a rental. Uh, would the Indians do a rental? Well, if it's more fringy types, maybe, especially if it's players they're afraid to lose. What happens if at the end of the day you are the Cleveland Indians and you have a chance to get Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras and it costs you Bracho, Tenya, and another smaller piece? Do you consider that? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I'm curious to hear what people think. Like, would you do that deal? Just with the infield depth, it's tempting. 
right? I mean, on a very basic level, with the depth the Indians have, you at least have to think about it. And if you're the, you know, for the Indians, it's like, well, you're going to get a, a huge upgraded catcher who's a rental. Chance you can always uh, qualifying offer him. You're getting an upgrade in left field, and you're trading away some low A pieces. Of course, the other side of that problem is both of those players uh, would have to be added to the Indians' 40-man, so you're you're not maybe doing enough to help, but it's like maybe then some of the secondary pieces are someone like Sam Henches or something like that who's kind of on the fringes. Maybe it's a Cam Hill. Maybe, uh, you know, Cam Hill was a guy I know the organization has really liked. Kyle Nelson, those are guys who are more... Uh, if you're the Cubs, it's like, sure, we can give them a longer extended look. We don't have uh, a lot of depth. Uh, the Indians are going to have to cut people anyways. Like that's where you can work out a deal where it is like four for two. Uh, if you are an Indians fan uh, or a Cub Indians fan, if you are, ooh, if you are, you know, Cubs and Indians in this situation, in terms of Hap uh, versus right-handers, uh, one twenty-one. He murders righties. Not as strong against lefties. He is a better version of what Naquin was during the peak Naquin Luplo platoons. Um, you know, isn't Rosario the lefty murderer? Couldn't we have a situation? Now, this is where I'm going to get myself in trouble. This is, the, you know, it's the basic stuff like that that I should have memorized that I end up not having memorized uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, which, what someone bats. It's, you know, I've never been able to memorize jersey numbers. I probably couldn't tell you one player on the Indians jersey number, and I couldn't tell you if they're lefty or righty until I see them. For whatever reason, that stuff just is not, you know, and I can't pronounce names. <laughs> really qualified for this job, I know. But uh, let's see, Rosario's a righty. So yeah, he hits lefties really well. So you could have Rosario play every day, right? And you could have him in a situation where Hap, because Hap against lefties is not as good. Now, he's no longer a switch hitter, I want to say. Isn't he the one, I believe, like, I, no, that was Cedric Mullins who gave up switch hitting. Uh, but Hap, you know, versus, of course, I moved up and down to get out of the advanced stuff. So 121 runs created plus versus versus a right-hander as a left-handed bat. That's great. Versus a left-hander as a right-handed bat, he's an 85. That's below average. Awesome. 843 OPS versus le- righties, 694, which again, that's almost a 700. That's not bad versus lefties. You could have both these guys play every day. You could figure out a platoon where uh, you have an infield platoon of some sort with Rosario. Again, if he's willing to be flexible. It's like, is he the left fielder against lefties and then the second baseman against righties maybe it's something to consider there's ways to make this team work uh but yeah hap makes a lot of sense right now he makes so much sense uh, and again like oh i'm going so long on segment one we'll see how this goes but again I, I think hawkins is a very bright person i think he has a bright future i think it is a good hire by the cubs i just liked harris being someone with an outside point of view in multiple ways you know the indians can be a bit of an echo chamber at points and I think under the Shapiro era in particular, that became a huge issue. They couldn't develop or draft or do anything. All their players that they were able, all the stars of those good teams were either already on hand or were gotten through trades. You go through that entire era. It's like Victor Martinez might be the lone example of the opposite. But almost everyone else was an outside thing and they just were not drafting, were not developing. There was all sorts of issues. And I think it was too much of an echo chamber. Uh, so James Harris, I'm glad he is staying. Carter Hawkins, I'm sad he is leaving. Uh, it's a great hire by the Cubs, and I'm very, very curious to see this. Like I said, the Cubs have many 40-man spots. This sets up perfectly for some kind of trade. The Cubs 
are right now Refuse City. They're doing what I talk about in the third segment of the show yesterday. We'll see if I have time to get to that segment today. Uh, they are just loading up on interesting players, giving them opportunities and seeing what they can find. I know one could arguably make the case the Indians' number two need is relievers. I don't know if they'd be willing to move Cody Hewer because he's got so much control. I think he is the only pitcher on their staff who has a red scale when it comes to the Cubs. They're they're pretty beat up over the hill in that situation, that area. Uh, you know, in terms of like just some of the stats I look at uh, advanced wise. The uh, the other player is really Rowan Wick, who has bounced around the big leagues, 28 years of age. Uh, you know, he is a righty. But you look at his max velocity, 79th percentile, fastball velocity, 68, fastball spin, 60, curveball spin, 72. Those are some good numbers. And he actually had, I think, the second lowest expected weighted uh, uh, on base percentage on the team and an acceptable one, a good one. So Rowan Wick is a name to consider as well in a potential deal. He is someone due to his age. You know, Cody Hewer, as I said, is he has so many years of team control. I just can't see them moving him. Uh, Justin Steele is another one. He's only 26. He The numbers on him, I mean, fastball spin, 93rd percentile, curveball spin, 71st percentile. That is an Indian special. But for the same reason, it's, it's an Indian special. I don't know if Carter Hawkins is going to want to move on from Justin Steele, who is a lefty. You know, a lefty with that stuff is, is rarer to find. It's harder to find. Uh, and there's a lot of positive data. But yeah, Rowan Wick, Justin Steele, Cody Hewer, and Hewer, I believe, is also a lefty. Uh, Brad Weike. Had some okay data in some areas. He's just fun because he's 6'8", 257, and another lefty. Those are kind of some relief arms to watch uh, in addition if a trade does happen. We're going to take our second commercial break now that we've talked about potential trades with Carter Hawkins on his way out. I'll stress for the umpteenth time. I don't want anyone to view this as me uh, thinking less or thinking down. Hawkins is a great candidate a great candidate. I think he's going to do well for the Cubs and I am looking forward to uh, some potential trades that can help the Indians out and can help the Cubs rebuild a really kind of barren system and situation. What I am not looking forward to though is what's going to inevitably happen, which we will start to see uh, departures. We will see some other players. Players. I mean, I, it's important that, that those baseball personnel people are going to get promotions. So I, I don't want to say that I don't like to see that. But we're going to lose, uh, we, no, I'm not part of we. The Indians, are, Indians, soon to be Guardians, are going to lose some integral pieces. They're going to lose um, some great young minds, I'm sure, are going to make the move. Hawkins works in the minors. You're going to see, I guarantee, some of those minor league names who, uh, Ruben uh, Niebla, I, I, I could see him really making a hard pitch. Because these are the people he worked with daily. You know, as a roving coordinator, he knows uh, who does the job? He knows who is really important. It's a secondary wave that is scarier to me, honestly, than losing Hawkins. Hawkins is a great mind, but he is one person. There's going to be a lot more talent that goes to the Cubs' way, and that is where the Indians will get in trouble. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, instead of having our sleeper, we're going to save that for tomorrow's show. We have to take some time and talk about Indians' great Ray Fossey. You know, I've talked about it before. When it comes time to read a bet online ad, I'm, I'm getting a little almost like misty. Well, not really misty, but you know what I mean. It's sad. I don't have an Indians line to go look up. But just because the baseball season is over does not mean it is a time to get away from bet online, to not visit their site, to not take advantage of all the great deals, including using the promo code locked on to get a 50% match on your first deposit. Just means it's time to switch to football. It's time to switch over and look at some basketball, some hockey. So many great things are going on over at betonline.ag. From your money lines to your props, 
Whatever you can imagine, you'll find it, even live casino games. Go check out Bet Online today. And remember, again, that promo code is locked on so you can get your 50% bonus. Who doesn't want bonus money? I mean, it's free money. That is, again, betonline.ag, promo code locked on. So Ray Fossey passed away after a a 16-year battle with cancer. That That is just someone who is an absolute, I mean, this is a tough-as-nails person. He has been battling cancer for 16 years. That's just amazing for anyone to, to put that fight for that long. And this is a player who, 1970 All-Star Game for the Cleveland Indians makes him one of the great what-ifs in the franchise's history, right? So this is a player in 1970. He's 23 years old. He's hit, he ends up hitting on that year 307, 361 on base, 469 slugging, a 124 OPS+. plus. That'd be one of two times in his career he had an OPS plus over 100 where he was above the league average. Top 25 finish for the MVP, gold glove, and an all-star. Uh, Pete Rose is a jackhole. Jackhole, so, you know, it, it's family or friendly, I believe, to say it that way. Uh, runs him over in the all-star game. And for Fosse, they say, oh, you're fine. And he's like, uh, it doesn't feel right. And a year later... It's like, oh, yeah, he fractured, separated his shoulder, so that healed incorrectly and uh, never quite the same, and it just chronic pain. So, again, this is a player who that injury occurs when he is a 23-year-old young man at the height of his career, and he's never quite the same after that. You know, it's one of those questions, if he does not get run over, how many more All-Star games does he make? He makes the All-Star game the next year. His production is dipping. He does get the gold glove in 20, uh, 1971 as an all-star. He would never hit double-digit home runs after 72. He would His batting average would completely fall off. He'd become a backup, uh, mostly in Oakland. He was an announcer in Oakland for a lot of years as well. Also played in Seattle, came back to Cleveland for a bit. But yeah, one can't get past the fact Pete Rose was a jerk. Uh, it's an all-star game. I don't care how much hustle you have. You don't need to run someone over in the All-Star game. In 1970, you know, that high year for him, he was sixth in batting average. Uh, He did everything well that year and then was just never quite the same player. You go back to his his age 24 year, you know who his comp is in that year before he gets hurt? I'm sorry, 24 is the year after the injury, but that's his last peak. It's Thurman Munson. Uh, His age 23 comp, Ed... Herman, Herman, who I'm not as familiar with. Then 25, it's Matt Wieters, who had a long career. Ed Herman, well, that's an interesting one to have a, a comp uh, as high as uh, the Fosse at his peak for a guy who, who didn't accumulate a whole bunch uh, for his career. But yeah, it's, it's the what if. It really is. If he does not get run over, what does he become? How good is his career? How much longer does he play? And then, I mean, yes, he got to essentially, he gets drafted in 1965, the first year of the draft. He is an 18-year-old kid out of Marion High School. Or, yeah, Marion High School in Marion, Illinois. And he is in baseball for the rest of his life. As an announcer, as a player, everything. He never leads the game, and that's great. But it, from the age of 23 till he passed away, you know, this past... He's 74. Chronic pain in his shoulders. That sounds terrifying to me uh, and awful. 
And then 16-year battle of cancer. This was a tough, tough person. So for the Indians, a franchise that has struggled in the draft, we do have to talk about Ray Fossey as a draft pick. He has the he was picked seventh overall in 1965. Again, that is the first year the draft happened. Rick Monday is your first overall pick. Uh, in terms of overall value, in that first round, only three players beat him in terms of career war. Rick Monday had the highest, who went to the Athletics first overall. Joe Coleman, who uh, was a right-handed pitcher, who went to the Senators. And Bernie Carborough, who's a third baseman, who went to the Reds. He was taken uh, with the 16th overall pick. Coleman and Monday were both long gone. So that is a you know fantastic pick by the Indians there. It's always curious. I mean, the second round, that's a you know, problem is in the second round with the uh, 16th pick, the, the Reds drafted Johnny Bench. Uh, so, yeah, there, you know, there was another catcher in there, uh, Larry Hissel, had a very strong career as a second-round pick to the Phillies. Del Unser drafted but did not sign. And then, it, you know, like I said, we'll just go the top three, four rounds here. Uh, Andy Messersmith to the Tigers. He does not sign. And then just in terms of value, uh, the Twins get Craig Nettles in the fourth round. The Cubs get Ken Holtzman in the fourth round. Stan Bossin to the Yankees in the fourth round. So, you know, some names, but as we're going through this, you know, in terms and Amos Otis to the Red Sox in the fifth, Fossey is still one of the 10 best players in that class. And in terms of the Indians, he's the eighth best uh, first rounder by war. Eighth best. Who beats him? Kelly Gruber, Jeremy Guthrie, Charles Nagy, Greg Swindell, Francisco Lindor, CeCe Sabathia, and Manny Ramirez. That's it. Drew Pomeranz has a chance to pass him. He is two uh, two tenths behind him, uh, behind Pomeranz, you have Rick Manning and then Lonnie Chisenhall. So no matter what, Ray Fossey is, it looks like for a decent chunk of time here is going to be 10th all time. Uh, I think Tristan McKenzie is and Bradley Zimmer and Naquin are your, your actives who could still get up there. Uh, Clint Frazier, just don't know what's going to happen with his career. Let's be honest. But yeah, he is one of the, the Indians have struggled in the draft, but he is one of the 10 best first rounders they've made. He was one of the top 10 players in the first draft class in MLB history. And if he doesn't get run over in an all-star game, uh, his career was just taking off. He was in his 20s, early 20s, two-time gold glover at that point. And then, I mean, just if if you don't want to, if you want to be like, hey, it's a man's game. Pete Rose, run him over, not a big deal. If just medical technology was better, the x-rays, initial x-rays revealing no fractures or damage, still bothering him a year later like oh yeah you had a separated shoulder and a fracture in your shoulder and it never got fixed so then he had to spend his whole life with pain uh it's just he is one of the greatest catchers in indians history he is one of the great players in indians history he's also maybe the toughest dude in indians history uh if you're curious when he got sent to oakland they sent him and jack heideman uh the you know, utility infielder uh, who'd been bouncing around with them for Dave Duncan. Yes, that Dave Duncan, who uh, was a catcher, was, you know, one for the other. Uh, he would come in and play two years for Cleveland. He'd be all right. Uh, not much of an improvement over what they had. And they got George Hendrick, who, un- I mean, this is what actually makes this a pretty good trade for Cleveland. Uh, the Fosse trade works out really well. Uh, 
Hendrick was technically the first overall pick, but he was of the 1968 January draft regular phrase. The draft used to be really weird. Hendrick would be a four-time All-Star, make two World Series, two Silver Sluggers. He would go to -to back-to-back All-Star games at age 24 and 25 at the Indians in 74 and 75. Uh, He's three years in Cleveland, OPS plus of 120, 107, 121, 28 home runs a year. I'm sorry, he had 19 in his first year. So he was, you know, a strong, young, performing outfielder who they then shipped out of town for Johnny Grubb, Fred Kendall, and Hector Torres. Um, none of the Fred Kendall has a slight memory for me, but you know, in, in kind of the the best turn of events, as it were, uh, for f- when Fossey got traded out, it worked out well for him. He had a long career in Oakland, and then again, he was a longtime announcer there. The Indians gotten a young all-star outfielder. Unfortunately, they traded him away uh, and didn't have a ton to show for it at the time. And yeah, you know, just take a second and appreciate uh, if you are someone who does not have chronic pain, uh, (laughs) that you don't have chronic pain right now. And just Fossey was a really good baseball player. And he got to stick in that game for his entire life. And then just a tough person. 16-year fight with cancer. I know I've said it before, but that is something that is worth shouting. Career chronic pain from the age of 23. And, I mean, let's be honest, just being a catcher back in those days was probably going to lead to career chronic pain in, like, his knees and shins and ankles and everything below the waist that uh, you had to sit there in those crouches with so little protection. Tough, tough dude. By all accounts, a good, good dude. Uh, sad day. First pick in Indians draft pick history for someone like myself with that history in the draft. That's that's gives that's that's the first thing for me. Followed by the what if, followed by just the general toughness. But uh, that is an all time great who has passed on. So I, you know, I don't think anyone connected to him is listening. But if you did know him, if you were a friend, if you're a family, even if you're a tangential, you have my heartfelt condolences. And I'm just going to spend the rest of my life not focusing on that injury anymore. I mean, that's always what I heard about from my father. My father always talked about that injury um, with some very colorful language I cannot use on the podcast. (laughs) But yeah, he was very unhappy and held that grudge. He still holds that grudge against Pete Rose uh, for what occurred. But I'm not going to focus on that anymore. Even though that's how I got to know him through my own father, uh, I'm going to focus on just what a tough dude Ray Fossey was. So... Uh, again, thank you all for listening. Remember to rate and review. You're listening to the number four baseball podcast in China. Congratulations for being in uh, such elite company here. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. Remember, you can rate, you can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. The rate and review, the download daily, that all helps this show grow. And as we now say, go, go, Guardians, go.